How many brought your Bibles or your Bible on phone or Bible on iPad? Good, good, good. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Remember, I'm going to, we've stopped putting the scriptures up in detail. We just put the, the list of scripture now. We want our people to get accustomed to turning in their Bibles, finding it in their app. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is speaking here. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Verse 6. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Verse 10. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land He swore to give you when He made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Notice the spirit here he's saying. He's saying you're going to get blessed for something that you didn't dig, you didn't work for, but you're going to receive the blessings. And he says, if you're not careful, you'll forget the Lord who gave it to your ancestors. What is the will of God for parents toward their children in this year, 2018? What is God's will for parents, for children? In 2018, does uh, everything changes? We all know change is inevitable. Morals change, styles change, the way we do math changes, the way we access information. Used to get a newspaper, now newspapers are going out of business. The way we access information and receive information is changing. Everything changes. But is raising children God's will for parents? Has that changed? What is God's will for parents in 2018? How many of you, uh, does anybody remember the World Book Encyclopedia? Anybody remember that? Do you remember the rotary dial telephone on the wall? Anybody remember the rotary dial? And you had the long cord, and when you started in high school and started dating, you'd have to stretch that cord around to the next room. Anybody remember those days? Yeah. Do you remember the first mobile phone in a bag? Anybody remember bag phones? Do you remember the first video game, Pong? Anybody remember Pong? Wasn't that a great game? We thought it was the greatest thing in the world. It was two little things you controlled with your thumbs, and they just hit a ball back and forth. Pong, 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 pong. And we thought that was amazing. Does anybody remember have, paying to use a phone in a telephone booth? 
Do you remember when mom used to starch and iron your jeans? Do you remember when people used to dress up to fly on an airplane? Do you remember when you used to go to the gas station and the attendant would come out, fill up your car with gas, check your oil and wash your windows? Anybody ever remember that? Amanda and I used to, when we were dating, we would fill up my little Datsun B210, go out to eat at Shoney's and go to a movie for $15. Fill up my car with gas, go to Shoney's to eat and go out to a movie all for $15. She was a cheap date. (laughs) Things change over the years. Cost a lot of money. Marriage is an expensive adventure. (laughs) Do you remember in high school when girls' basketball was played with six players instead of five players? And girls only played half court instead of full court. Anybody remember that? Remember that? Do you remember when the entire family would sit down at night for supper without the TV on or cell phones? And simply talk. Things change in life. It's inevitable. Nothing remains the same. But what about parenting? Has God's will for parents changed in 2018 concerning their children? Just because everything else changes, has God's will for parents changed? Do you and I realize that the world we live in is less family-friendly today than any time in our history? We have a nation continually getting further from God. We have confusing voices speaking as authority on what what constitutes a real family. Unfortunately, we have laws that encourage the abuse of God's will for the family. Divorce and family breakups now can be done quickly and online. Dysfunctional families are the norm today instead of the exception, and we have a generation of children being raised in homes in which the nature of God is never experienced. And on top of that, it's difficult. It is difficult being a parent in this age. Parenting is not for the weak. It's not for the weak. My children are adults now. They're both here on the front row, and I'm thrilled to have them here this morning. My children are adults now, but as I look back over Amanda and I's life, I'm thankful the Lord was merciful to me as a parent. Because I made some terrible mistakes in learning to be a parent. And it wasn't because my mistakes were intentional. I set out to make mistakes. Every parent, the first time around, they're a rookie. And you just don't know. Now people will tell you, but they don't know. They've forgotten what they knew. And isn't it amazing how everybody knows what you need to do, but they didn't know what they needed to do when they needed to know to do it. But they're experts now telling you on what you need to do. And here's what I've learned. All parents 
If you're here today, and if you're a parent today of grown children, or if you just got babies, let me tell you something. All parents start out as beginners. We all start out as beginners. When our son, who's 30, you 32? When our son was born, he arrived seven weeks early. Amanda had experienced a very difficult pregnancy. The day before he was born, we went to Chattanooga with another couple to shop at the Oshkosh Children's Outlet down in Chattanooga. Amanda and I had sat in the back seat of this little car our friends had, and by the time we arrived back home early Saturday evening, her back was hurting. She tossed and turned all Saturday night with back pains. We thought she was experiencing back pains from being cramped up in that little car all the way to Chattanooga and back. So she didn't. She got up Sunday morning, she was nauseated and having back pains. We didn't even have a baby bed. We went down there to buy some things and didn't even have a baby bed. We went, he was seven weeks early when he finally came. I went on, on Sunday morning to church service, but before I made it to church, I received news that a church family's mother had passed, so I had to go to the hospital and be with that family, and then I went to the church service. When I arrived at church on Sunday morning, a dear friend, a board member's wife, asked about Amanda. Where's Amanda today? I told her that we'd spent the day in Chattanooga shopping for baby clothes, and her back was hurting, and she was nauseated. So she stayed home. I noticed our friend's wife, after I told her that, just smiled and walked off. Little did I know, she immediately drove to our house, picked up Amanda, and took her to the ER. We were ignorant. We thought she had sit wrong in the car. She was having contractions all night long. Amanda said when she got the little the lady got there to our house, she knocked on the door and Amanda went to the door and Amanda said she said to her, Are you not feeling good? And Amanda told her the story and said, Well, let's go to the ER. Let's just get them to check you out. Man said, oh, I don't want to do that. I've heard people going over there and it's premature and it's embarrassing. They have to let you go back. And then the word gets out that you had a false alarm. And she said, no, I promise we won't tell nobody. We'll be back if it's a false alarm. We'll be back before you even church is out. We won't even tell Pastor Eddie that we've gone to the ER. <laughs> Amanda said, okay. So Amanda, she straps Amanda into the car. And Amanda said, as soon as she strapped me in and turned the car off, she spun gravel out of the driveway. She (laughs) drove like a bat out of hell to the ER. After church was over, I went home expecting my wife to be there, and there wasn't nobody there. We didn't have cell phones back then. This was 1986. How many remember life without a cell phone? Wasn't it wonderful? And we walked, I walked in, there's a note on the counter, gone to the ER. Well, you can imagine. So I ran over there, and when I got there, they'd already taken her back up to the, the maternity ward, the baby-having area. And it moved real slow that afternoon. Finally, the doctor came in and said Manda had gone into premature labor, and something wasn't right. 
But he would rather stop labor than to deliver a baby so early who wasn't ready to be born. He said, I'm going to grab some dinner in the hospital cafeteria, and when I return, if not further along, if she hasn't moved further along, I will stop the labor and we'll send you home. I remember looking at the clock on the wall, and as he walked out, it was 6.10 p.m. As soon as he walked out, I left Amanda's room and went to the waiting room and got on the payphone in the waiting room and called the church. They started church at 6, so I know I knew a group of people would be there. I told them the, the situation, asked them to pray. That was at 6.10, between 6.10 and 6.15. At 6.30, 15 minutes later, they were rushing Amanda into delivery. She hadn't moved all week, all afternoon, but when the people started praying God's will, suddenly things changed. And they had to call the doctor and get him from the cafeteria, and within 20 minutes, Tyler Turner was born. Then a few moments later, when Amanda delivered the placenta, the doctor said, I never will forget, he said, wow, that was the problem. And he showed me the placenta, and a tumor had formed on the placenta and had started cutting off the blood flow to the baby. He looked at me and smiled and punched me on the shoulder with his fist and said, Dad, you owe me one. He said, if I would have stopped the labor, your son would not have survived. I thought, it wasn't you, you cocky rascal. You was, <laughs> you was down there in the eating cream potatoes in the cafeteria. It was the saints of God who prayed that I owe. It was the prayer of the saints. For the next two days, we were ecstatic. We had a baby boy. Shriveled up, looked like a bad peanut, but we had one. We had one. My first child was a boy. I tell you what, it takes a real man to have a boy, and all the men in the church that have boys said, yeah, it takes a real man to have a boy. First one out of the chute takes a real man. Congratulations from family and friends abounded. After two days, we loaded him up and took him home. That's when it hit us. What do we do with it? Within a couple more days, the thrill had worn off. All he did was eat, cry, spit up, poop, and pee. What have we gotten ourselves into? Do any of you parents know exactly what I'm talking about? Our parenting journey began and we in continually encountered situations and moments we were not prepared for or had any experience with. That's just the plight of parents. You start out as rookies. And even though you, you might have had children 20, 30 years ago, and you have children now that are having children, the age in which they're raising these children, they're totally different than the day you raised your children. So everybody starts over all fresh and new again. Turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse number 15. Look at John chapter 14. Verse number 15, notice what it says. 
John 14, verse 15. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this, Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Time and time again, we seem to be at a loss... Amanda and I, with our firstborn. And we called out to the Lord in desperation, and the Lord always came to help us. And even though you're a parent today, and you're experiencing, you're getting ready to send that baby off to school for the first time. You're getting ready to drop them off at kindergarten. I've talked to several parents that are getting ready to drop their... Their baby's off at kindergarten, and moms and dads are already dreading it. Let me tell you, when you drop them off at college, it's the same thing. I cried when I dropped him off at college. Until I got to Dairy Queen, then I was thankful I didn't have to buy him any. Some of you are are experiencing things for the very first time, let me let you know something. The Lord will be with you. At times the Lord taught us, at times the Lord taught us things we didn't know. He sent people across our path who had the answers we needed. Or He gave us the emotional and physical strength to walk through the valley of the unknowns. You're not in this thing alone, parents. The Lord will be with you. All parents start out as beginners. But we have a helper who is a father to the fatherless and has raised a perfect child. He raised a perfect son, so he has the experience we lack. You say, what do you mean? God the Father raised a perfect son, Jesus Christ. He knows how to parent, and he will be with you. So understand, number one, all parents start out as beginners. Number two, embrace this. Parenting is the most important work we will ever do. It's more important than your career. It's more important than your education. It's more important than your finances. All of those things are important. But parenting is the most important work we will ever do. Every company we work for has a job description. Every organization has policies and assignments that we agree to. Those job descriptions and policies are set forth uh, by the leadership of that company and they are expected to be adhered to for advancement and employment in that company. At the same time, every good company has training and development opportunities so that each employee can become skilled in their assignment. Well, likewise, being a parent is an assignment with a job description. Being a parent is an assignment with a job description. The job description has been set by the founder and creator of the human race, God Himself. And you and I would never think about going against 
or disobeying or trying to neglect the job descriptions of our work, knowing there'd be adverse consequences if we didn't do what we were hired to do and if we didn't perform as we are expected to perform. But yet we leave our, we have babies and we just leave them to fend for themselves or let people take care of them or impart to them that we have no idea what they're thinking and what they're believing. Parenting is the most important thing you and I will ever do. Being a parent is an assignment which has a job description. That job description has been set by the founder of the universe and the creator of mankind. If every father in this room was asked what their responsibility was to their family, most fathers would say this, my first responsibility... My first responsibility is to provide for my family. That's what most fathers would say. If every mother in this room was asked what their responsibility was to their family, most mothers would say, my first responsibility is to nurture my family. And these two answers are correct, but let's take it a step further. Fathers, what are you supposed to provide? Just money? Just a roof over their head? Mothers, from what motivation are you to nurture? According to the father of the human race, as parents, we have a responsibility to provide and nurture our children toward a relationship with God. If we provide the nicest home in the neighborhood and we put the most beautiful clothes on their body, if we make sure they eat the best food possible physically, but if we have not trained and developed and provided a place for them to grow in their relationship with the Lord, we, eternity, have failed as parents. We have failed as parents. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to the hands, to your hands, and wear them on the, your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Understand this. As a father, I have a responsibility. As a father, I have a responsibility to provide for the physical needs of my family. As a mother, I have a responsibility to provide for the emotional, need, emotional needs of my family. But as parents, we both have a responsibility to provide for the spiritual needs of our families. As a father, I have the responsibility to provide for the physical. As a mother, I have the responsibility to provide for the emotional. But as parents... I have the responsibility to provide for the spiritual needs of my children. We live in a culture that is very sensitive to people's rights. People, you hear it all the time, my rights, my rights, I have my rights, I have my rights. We detest the idea that a person's rights will be ignored or neglected or abused. 
Did you know that children are born into this world with limited rights? They don't have many rights. They don't have the right to vote. Children don't have the right to drive. They don't have the right to work. They don't have a right to earn a living. They don't have the right to higher education. They don't have a right to hold office. Children don't have a right to voice their opinion. Sit down and shut up. They don't have a right to wear the clothing that expresses their personality. They don't have a right to eat ice cream all day. They don't have a right to miss school. And they don't have a right to not brush their teeth. Not a lot of rights that children have, but they do have some rights. God-given rights. Well, what are they? Here they are. Children have a right to a home. Children have a right to an education. Children have a right to be loved. And they have a right to enjoy a safe environment. Children have a right to our time. And they have a right to be listened to. And they have a right to learn of God. They have some rights. As we look at this list, the first six items are easily understood, yet it's number seven that we neglect. The right to learn of God. The public school is not the place. They're not, they're not tasked of where to learn God. It's your home and it's your local church. It's your home and your, and your children have a right to learn of God. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. In these few verses, God's intentions for parents is clearly addressed. Number one, God's Word is to be taught to adults. And number two, then God's Word is to be passed on to the children. God's Word is to be taught to adults, and God's Word is to be passed on to children. Parents, let me talk to you. And Amanda and I know about this. Many of our parents, and we did it, we did it. Many of our parents are so intent on making sure their child, if they have a sports gift, making sure they have hitting Less private hitting lessons. We make sure they have private dance lessons. We make sure they have private cheer lessons. We make sure they have private volleyball lessons. We make sure they have private softball lessons. We make sure they have private basketball lessons. We make sure that they have special, intentional, specific training. And we set aside money and we set aside time for all of those, we make sure they have, uh, if they have a musical gift, that they have private guitar lessons, they have drum lessons, they have piano lessons. Uh, and all of those things are wonderful. If they have an educational gift, we make sure they have a tutor and get through things and make good grades. And we set aside time in our weekly calendar and we set aside money to pay for those because it's our job to provide for our children. But when it comes to church, when it comes to spiritual things, it's 
Whatever. And yet we have the responsibility, they have a right to learn about God. And why is it do we think that they can learn about their sport or they can learn about their activity or they can learn about their musical gift? It takes private lessons. Why do we not think that to learn about God, you also need to spend time with some private individual discipleship? Now don't preach me that. Don't say amen, shout me down because I'm preaching real good. We did that. We, we, Tyler, we spent hundreds of dollars on his hitting hips and hands, fast as you can, as flashed as you can. I mean, I could, I could teach hitting. I could teach hitting to any... I've, I've, I've spent so much money on hitting. I know hitting. I'm, I'm, I'm the greatest preacher on hitting that there ever was. <laughs> Horseback riding, we spent, Casey, my goodness... Man, we've spent more money on horseback riding lessons. I can't tell you how much money we spent on just go around the ring. <laughs> After coming out of football and baseball and basketball with Tyler, and then all of a sudden, $800 this month, $600 this month. But we wanted our children to be prepared. We wanted our children to excel. We wanted our children to be the best. We wanted our children to have advantages. We wanted our children to be able to be skilled in their gift and to be prepared for their future that the God had intended for them. So we were willing to dedicate the time and dedicate the money and sacrifice what we ever needed to sacrifice to make sure that they physically and they sports and they with their hobbies had exactly what they needed to live a fulfilled life. Can I tell you something? Your child will never be fulfilled in life unless Jesus is the Lord of their life. So there is nothing, there's nothing wrong with the sports. There's nothing wrong with the horse. There's nothing wrong with the music. I just implore you, I plead with you parents, I speak to you as your spiritual pastor, I speak to you that when you do all of that, please don't neglect, make sure you make time for their spiritual needs and discipleship and training and instruction and discipline to be in their life as well. That's what I say. Because they have a right to know about God. And we know they can't be a great hitter without individual instructions. And we know they can't be a great basketball player. And we know they can't be a great musician without individual instructions. And they can't be a great horse rider. And they can't be a great tumbler. And they can't be a great dancer. And they can't be a great model without all of them. They can't be a great student without individual instruction. Yet when it comes to being a Christian, we just think it happens by osmosis. But it doesn't. It's an intentional individual Instruction. Parents cannot teach children the truths of the Bible if they do not know and treasure it themselves. There is a progression. Parents first, children second. Parents are to incorporate God into the daily rhythms of life, such as mealtime, bedtime, 
travel time. In fact, make God a part of your daily life. Who had ever thought, I'll close with this, who had ever thought that we'd live in a nation where we have to have armed security guards at schools? Who had ever thought that we'd live in a nation where you turn on the TV and you just never know some schools being under attack? I can understand going into, I understand gang neighborhoods. I understand going in places where people are fighting with one another, but going into innocent schools? Who had ever thought that? Now more than ever, parents, grandparents, we need to learn to pray for our children. So this morning, as you leave here today, or maybe you've already received it, We want to give one of these per family. It looks like the one we gave out last year, which many of you put on your refrigerator and used, and we had people calling from other states wanting it, and we're already having people requesting these now. But it's different. The prayers are different. It looks the same. The colors are the same, but the prayers are different. So we want every family, if you're a parent or a grandparent, we want you to take one of these home and put it on your refrigerator and every day pray for your kid pray for your child what are we praying monday on mondays i thank you father that my children will be protected every day according to your word the angels of god surround my children and watch their every step i thank you that no evil or terror can come close to them and that fear and intimidation cannot invade their life god's word declares that no weapon formed against my children will prosper On Mondays, you pray that over your children when they leave. On Tuesday, I thank you, Father, that my children will enjoy spiritual, emotional, and physical strength today. This week, they will continue to mature and grow properly in every area of their life. Stress and anxiety will not hinder them from becoming the person you have destined them to be. They will be strong in the Lord and the strength of His ability. On Wednesday... I thank you, Father, that my children will gain knowledge and understanding in every branch of learning required of them. I declare that their minds are alert and their memories are blessed. Their special gifts and talents will find room for expression and make place for them this week. Like Daniel of the Old Testament, my child will exceed in wisdom and insight. On Thursday... You pray this. I thank you, Father, that my children are surrounded with teachers, friends, and loved ones who affirm their worth, strengths, and gifts. People will come into my child's life who are pure in heart, gracious in speech, and sharpen my child to be their best. I declare that people with evil motives or plans will have no influence over my children this week. Friday, we pray this. I thank you, Father, that my children are growing in their relationship with you today. Just as Jesus grew in favor with God and man, so does my child grow. The evil influences of this culture will not steal or hinder my child's faith. I declare my children will be bold in the Lord and declare His name among their generation. If you'll pray over your children, the Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes power available. The only thing standing between you and a shooter. 
The only thing standing between us as parents and people with evil influences is our prayers. We can't be with them all day long. We can't control everywhere they go. We cannot guard them every moment of every day. But the Holy Spirit can. And when we pray, we give Him permission to protect our children. So I want every family who has children or grandparents, I want you to get one of these before you leave and put it on your refrigerator and pray for your family. Stand with me, would you?